Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hello, caviar dreamers. Today, we have John Barrow Jr., Yes, he is the creative director, the art director for Simon & Schuster Books, um, Gallery Books. Yes. A huge position. Um, you will recognize him from episodes of Housewives. He was with Erica Jane when she did her book cover. He and Teresa. mustache. And he was with Teresa. He was, yeah. Teresa Judice. He's amazing. He gets your branding and your image, whatever the book is trying to convey, he makes sure it comes across on the cover. And that's no easy task, just so you know. You have to be super creative, have vision. And also connect with the people that you're representing because the book cover is the first thing somebody sees when they go to pick up a book. Yes. So and it, it really, it, it's, he's the most important person. Yes, it drives the sales. I think it drives the sales. If you have a crappy cover, who wants to buy that book? Yeah, no one's buying it. You have the, might just have the greatest story in the world to tell. If your book cover doesn't grab people's attention, then your book will fail. Exactly. So he's all about branding. And branding your personal self is very, very important, especially... Branding is all about image and the way you want to portray yourself to the world. And I think that's very, very important. And I always talk about that, your personal brand. What are you trying to convey? What are you trying to say to the world? And John Barrow Jr. is the person who helps you do that in the literary publishing world. That's right. And it is so important in this day and age where we are so visual and there's things like Instagram, LinkedIn, it's important to present the version of yourself that you want people to see a great photo where people could see your face, where they connect with you. Um, you know, depending on the industry you're in, really think about what people think when they look at your picture. Exactly. And have a consistent message. That's why we say your message has to be consistent across the board, across your social media, across every platform. It is super important to have people think even about their personal brand no matter how small you are people do look to your photograph before they read the information it's just a fact that's yeah. the world we live in it's true your photograph what are you trying to say and that's why i was so happy i worked with john to do my book cover because i feel caviar dreams tuna fish budget the cover says it all so here he is oh, john. Oh, hi you look great. You guys look so chic. Oh my oh, God. Thank you. You, you look, look so fabulous. chic. Look at you. You look amazing. You. Well, I, you know, I was worried if the cowboy hat wasn't going to fit into the frame. So I just kept moving back and back and back. But anyway, you guys look amazing as always. You do too. You're like a turtleneck crew today. Yes, I know. We well, have turtlenecks on. 
Well, you know, I mean, I never get to dress up anymore. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I did see your story the other day, Alexi, about, you know, finding that coat in your wardrobe yes. and like saying, you know what, I'm done with the sweatpants and it's time to wear clothes again, you know? It's yes. true. I know. I can't take it. It's just like I always, I say half the day I look like I've been cleaning the house, picking potatoes. <laughs> doing something i don't know what it please is. tell me you please tell me you pick potatoes i, would I know love i know i know or corn or whatever jersey grows tomatoes, uh -huh. tomatoes so john we're so excited to have you on because we were just saying is just you are a branding genius oh creative you. genius you give everybody the most perfect image and we just have to get you know the story behind the man and how you became this you sure. know the fabulosity. Well, I'm just honored that you guys would actually even want me on your podcast. To be honest with you, I listen to podcasts from time to time, but this is my first time actually being on a podcast. So I'm really, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, so we're so happy to pop you in cherry. I was about to say that. Yeah. Q and Madonna's Like a Virgin track. And yes. yeah, there we go. I feel touched for the very first time. <laughs> Perfect. No, because, you know, it's very hard because you have to tap into so many different personalities, work right. with so many people, get the vision, and that's not an easy task. And you have to be so creative. So I just want to know, as a little boy, let's let's just start from the beginning. Oh, we're going there. Okay. We're totally going there. It's uh -huh. just, obviously, you are always creative. So my parents are immigrants from Italy, uh, Calabria specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm first generation American and my dad and my mom um, are fine artists, even though they do nothing in the fine arts field. Like my dad used to paint with oil paint on canvas. And I have like um, memories of my mom literally drawing like Roman sculptures on the wall when I was wow. a kid. You know, I'd spend summers looking at my mom actually drawing on the wall, which was kind of bizarre in retrospect, but it was very cool at the time. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, I don't know, I've always been creative. I mean, part of me feels like it has something to do with me, you know, being gay, obviously. Um, that's sort of built into my DNA of creativity. Um, uh, and the other aspect is I just love, um, I just get images. You know, creativity is sort of like a river. It ebbs and flows and it just, sometimes it fills me up and sometimes it's like I'm a little tapped, but it's just an energy that I tap into really. Um, and I've been doing it since I was a kid. So, I I agree yeah. with that. Sometimes, you, you know, I have my best thoughts. I wake up in the middle of the night sleeping. But people don't realize that creativity isn't constant. No, yeah. it isn't. And and that's the it isn't constant. And I think a lot of people think that if you have a like a job or career in the creative field, they think it's super glamorous. And in fact, it, it's quite the opposite. I mean, there are moments and points of glamour, like obviously being able to go to Marge's home and do a <laughs> oh, thank fabulous. You. Thank you. Yeah, like you have a beautiful, fabulous home. You're fabulous. Lexi's fabulous. Thank These oh, are those you. like glamorous moments, but to get there and to come up with ideas and to have a synergy with other creative people to execute, you know, a vision that you have in your head, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work. Yes, I think people, yeah, people don't realize that. It, it really, it exhausts your brain. It's also yeah. really challenging and torturous because I'm sure, especially for you in your career, you have major deliverables and deadlines. And if you're not feeling creative, you can't force that. No. Yeah, there are times where we'll like, you know, if we, if, if we cover conference and, you know, we introduce a book, like let's say, you know, we cover conference, your book in the beginning yes. stages, right? Um, and we just all start throwing ideas out, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like that, you know, and oh, that sounds funny or no, that's kind of lame or whatever. And sometimes I'm in it to win it. I'm like throwing in really good ideas. Sometimes I'm like, I got to take a beat. Like I don't have an idea right now. Let me go back to my, you know, my virtual desk. Let me sign off Zoom, right? Yes. Think about it. Think about it a little bit. You know, maybe go to, you know, my library of photography books or just get some kind of inspiration and think about it and then come back to it. So, you know, it is an energy that you tap into and sometimes it's there and it's raring to go and sometimes it's just not there. You know? Yes. How has virtual um, work changed your creative process? Um, very, 
Very little, actually. Um, because we're in a digital field right now, everything is done digitally. Um, and I, I guess, I guess in the brainstorming aspect, sometimes it's great to be in a room full of people and discussing it live, you know what I mean? Yeah. One to one or 10 to one or whatever. And then sometimes, you know, um, for me, I think the difficulty is in the production aspect. Sometimes I just don't know what color's gonna look like because I haven't seen it printed. And um, they can mail me, you know, printouts and proofs and I pr approve things. But at the end of the day, I think I had more control when I was in the office regarding color and how the final product looks, you know what I mean? More so than anything yes. else. Let's talk about some of your jobs prior to Simon and Schuster. Oh, God. Okay, so what do you mean? When I was a kid? Like I was just a... like, how long have you been at Simon and Schuster? Oh, my God, I, my entire career. I actually, I started interning at, um, well, gallery books. It used to be pocket yeah, books yeah. back in the day. Um, and I started interning there when I was a junior in college. Oh my God. So that's been your whole that. life, really. It's been my whole life. Yeah. It's really been my whole life. Um, but I will say this, when I was younger, like all through college and high school, I had, I had many jobs, but one mainstay job that taught me everything I need to know about life. And you guys are going to think this is so ridiculous. I worked at a hardware store a family-owned okay. hardware store, Cornell's True Value, I'm gonna shout them out right now, um, in, in Westchester County. And I worked in the housewares department and boy did I, I just, I know shit that nobody else knows from the experiences <laughs> that I good. had working at the hardware store. So I need, I need to shout that out. Cause that's, I know, Cornell's, you know, okay, that. good. There you go, if you're ever in East Chester, New York, pop into Cornell's True Value. Our I motto know. was we have everything, we just don't know where it is. <laughs> Do your parents still live there? Yeah, my parents actually live in a town over. Uh, uh, well, when they moved I to know. this country, yeah. go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I'm very familiar with Westchester. I'm familiar with Oh, you the area. are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When my parents moved to this country, they moved to the Bronx first, had my brother and sister, and then my dad got all like, bougie and moved to Scarsdale. Yes, Scarsdale, because I, I get my hair done in Scarsdale. That's I love that. Yes. Yes, she I got her hair done in Scarsdale. Scarsdale. Yeah. Fabulous. It Very is fabulous. Cool. Yeah. So you worked your way up at Gallery Book Simon & Schuster. Yes. Yeah. Did you take did. that internship thinking you would, or you were like, let me just take this internship? Was it like a dream to work in publishing? Well, you know, um, I, I, when I was in college, I took this course in uh, the anatomy of books and we actually handmade books and it was really lovely. I loved it a lot because this was like in the 90s, um, late 90s when I was in college and we were all just starting in the digital world, you know what I mean? And so I knew my career was going to take path creatively digitally. But I'm also a very handsy kind of person, and I like to create things with my hands. Um, and so that sort of turned me on, but I didn't think anything of it. I just thought I was, I'm was i gonna go into the music industry and I'm gonna do like, you know, music packaging. This was like what I thought my calling was. And it wasn't until I had like an adjunct professor who basically said, uh, like recommended me for the internship. Otherwise I wasn't even looking. It's so amazing. Tell me, you've done so many different types of books. You've yes. done housewife books. Uh -huh. you, you know, you've done musicians. every musicians, yep. every type of book. Have you ever come across, you don't have to tell us who, have you ever come across where the vision, um, your vision didn't align with the author? Many times, yeah. Really? Many times, yeah. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and there are a lot of people that you need to please. And, and sometimes you please everyone author, agents, publisher, you know, editors or whatever. And then, you know, you show something to the sales force and they're not digging it. So there's a lot of hurdles, you know what I mean, to go through. And even, you know, sometimes like Barnes and Noble booksellers will dictate sometimes what a book cover will look like, which really? is kind of disheartening to me in a way. Um, it really depletes the the channel of creativity and so, and, and in, in most cases it waters down a cover or an idea, you know? So yeah, we run into that a lot and it's just the general, 
way that things unfold when art meets commerce. You know what I mean? Like when art meets commerce and suddenly you have to sell something, there's always going to be compromise. There's always, visions are always compromised when, you know, you're in that realm, so. That's, I feel yeah. like we have that all the time. And yes. like our, in our business, we have visions of grandiose for like even things like luggage, cosmetic bags, makeup brushes, we have these grandiose visions, but we're dictated to by retailers too. And it can kill your creative spirit a little bit. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you do want it. You're in business to sell, right? You're in yes. this, mm -hmm. You want to sell, right? But you also have a vision and you want to carry out that vision. And so there's this delicate balance of like trusting in the public to meet you in that vision and, and dig it, you know what I mean? But then also, you know, the suits come in and they're like, well, this is what we do to sell things. You know what I mean? And so I you know. I've had that. I say I'm you so know. not basic bitch and, and, and sometimes they make me be basic bitch. And uh -huh. This isn't going to sell and it, it upsets me to the core. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I could tell immediately, Marge, when you first came onto the cast of New Jersey, yes. I, and all of my friends too, I'm just, I'm not speaking about myself. We just fell in love with you. Oh, thank you. We, we, we know you are fabulous. You are fabulous. Oh, thank you. But you, there's something about you, and there's no Tino shade to New Jersey, but you thank transcend you. New Jersey in my Thank opinion. you. Yeah, thank you really do. I mean, and I love New coming Jersey. Coming from you, by the way, coming from you, that means a lot to me because I thank just you. adore you. And I, you know, uh, you're, I follow you on Instagram and just, you have that vintage classic vibe that I just adore, right? Yeah, I mean, I, when you did Erica Jane's book cover, I remember coming in and saying to Margaret, one what, day we yes. are going to work with Yes, you. it's true. It's, it's for it's, us. Yes. When, how do we make this happen? And your style is so fabulous and unique and amazing and, you know, also transcends time. You know, some people don't get me. If they're just like, yeah. you have the worst taste, you have the worst style. I'm like, are you fucking delusional? I'm formally trained. And it's just, you know, they don't get it. I, you know, and the other thing too is that it's okay if they don't get you. No, it you know is what I mean? okay. I always, I always say to myself, like, I don't want, personally, I don't want to be liked by everyone. Or no, no, everyone I agree. Or to think that I'm fabulous, you know? Because I think, I think in 2021, you know, like, everything is fabulous. Like people always misuse words like iconic, like yes. everything is iconic in 2020. No, and it's did not. You, did you see my breakfast? My, those eggs Benedict, they were so iconic. Everything I know, I know, iconic, I know. You know, and the reality is, is that in most cases, most stuff isn't iconic or fabulous, you know? And, and And to be honest with you, I'd rather be hated for what I am than to be loved for what I'm not. You know what I mean? That oh, that's such that's a good exactly line. Right. That's a very good line. Yeah. It's absolutely true. But it, it is just so funny when someone can't, and I'm not gonna throw, I'm not gonna mention the cast member, but um, <laughs> when they insult my Missoni wallpaper and I am just, I get so <laughs> Sacrilege. Sacrilege. I'm like, I'm, I'm clutching my proverbial pearls right now. Yes, yes. Would be aghast at Missioni wallpaper. That's bullshit. Today. I know, and I just think it's about, and say it's horrible taste in this, and I'm just like, I get so, uh, you know, I don't even know how to answer that. I was like, if you're insulting Missoni, you you know, you cannot even be in my We're not on the same level. We're not on the same level. It's yeah. just, exactly. I, I can't even answer something like that because it's, I'm appalled. I'm just disgusted and appalled. And, you know, I just want well, nothing to do with you. I have to say, when I stepped into your home, I mean, your home is just as fabulous as you are. Your oh, home thank you. Thank is you. like an extension of who you are. And there is this sort of uniqueness about your home. I mean, Kareem Black, let's give a shout out to the Yes, great I love oh, Kareem. And yes. Yeah, Kareem and I spoke about it. We're just like, how do we luck out that we have the talent who has this amazing, like, editorial, photo-ready home oh, that we can use, you know what I mean, and create an amazing cover. It's just, it's unbelievable. And I have to be honest with you, I have been daydreaming on and off of that beautiful chandelier that you made Joe put up the day before the- Yes, I know, that's so funny, poor that Joe. Oh, I love yeah. that. So tell me, you know, I want you to tell everybody because I think I try and give this message, but coming from you, it's so important. The branding 
is so important when people are in business and especially with the book and the message to get it across. And I don't think people realize that. And I try and be um, consistent across my platforms, but I want you to like hit it home because I think you do such a good job of that branding people, the, the books, the authors. And I don't think people really realize that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, so I think for a person who wants to brand themselves. Yes. When it's a business. I, yes. Okay. I think that that person needs to really as much as possible as best as possible in in reality stay true to themselves and yes. it's it's a hard road you're going to have lots of obstacles especially if you're a woman you're going to have lots of obstacles yes. okay it's completely different for men than it is for women i think that you know if women have characteristics of ambition and drive, it gets misconstrued in a very sexist way. And I think you're gonna have to deal with those obstacles more so than men. But if you're a woman and you wanna brand yourself, I feel like, you know, be unapologetic and be true to yourself. And you're gonna find your tribe. Your tribe is gonna come to you. You know, you fuck the noise, like quantity, means nothing like this metric system on social media is bullshit it means nothing you want the right people to follow you you want the you want to tap into the right people you want to connect with the right people um you know numbers are just numbers and lots of those numbers are robots and you know um fake accounts and you want to you want to you want to appeal to the right people and you want to stay true to yourself and you'll find your tribe that's what i feel like if you yes. are in the business of wanting to brand yourself. I love that advice because that I is. know a lot of our listeners to get very distracted by comparing themselves and like comparing just their game where they're like, oh, I see someone who that I want to emulate and they have millions of followers. How do I get to those millions of followers? I, I'm going to buy some. I'm going to do this. That just dilutes your brand mm -hmm. further. And I think people forget Absolutely. that. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just be true. It's and and it's and it is easier said than done because you know if you think about a platform like Instagram for instance it is built the algorithm is built to make you feel really terrible about yourself <laughs> it's, it's, built to, it's built to you know what I mean um make you feel inadequate like you're you're too poor you're not good looking enough you're not thin enough you're not you know like all of that nonsense get and and that's what people get caught up in and i know it's it's easier said than done but you know if you if you just quell that awful ego side and just connect really connect with people that you're interested in or you're that you're inspired to things can really flourish you know what i mean um so yeah it is difficult but you know it can be done there's just a lot of noise. And then also to um, the market saturated. Everybody wants to brand themselves now. It's true. It's true. I agree. Yeah. Tell me, who is your dream person to work with? Outside, outside of Margaret Joseph? Yes, outside of the Margaret <laughs> since we're already a duo, since we're already a duo. I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, you are definitely a dream person. Oh, and thank you. That makes me so happy. It really, I, oh, you know. Because you were my dream person, yeah. which is so funny, because like- Well, we Robert, came together. We came together. <laughs> we sure did. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I think the Housewives franchise in general, because I'm such a fan, it's, it's, it's a dream to mm -hmm. be able to work within the franchise. I will say in my career though, I did, was able to check off one and that would be Grace Jones. I oh, that's a big one. deal. That's yeah. a big deal, yeah. Grace Jones. Huge. That is She's, you know, top five in my pantheon of queens and I was able yes. to yeah. work with that's her. That's a good queen. That was amazing. That is, and what about like, who was your wish list who you haven't worked with Yes. Yes. Uh, probably Madonna would yes. be there of a huge Madonna fan um but Madonna is very much like I'm gonna work until I'm 80 or 90 you're not gonna get a memoir out of me until I'm ready to croak you know what I mean yeah. so that yeah. if that ever happens <laughs> I probably I will be retired at that point you know no, what I mean? but you'll come you'll out come of back. retirement for that one. I will yeah I'll come out of yeah I'll have to shake the cobwebs and come out of <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would I mean because I could totally see you doing that yeah. that would yeah. be a dream 
Yeah, Madonna would probably be a dream. Um, yeah, or, um, yeah, it would be Madonna. That would be it, yeah, for me, yeah. That's, yes, that would be so good. I know. <laughs> I mean, listen, she's over 60 already, Madonna. Oh my God. Sad yeah, she is, and, and, and again, it, you know, circling back to branding, I mean, she really was the first person to really know how to market and brand herself. And in a time, like she sort of is a precursor to the world that we currently live in now, which is, you know, everybody wants to brand themselves and everybody wants to market themselves. And, um, and she was a woman who did it um, fearlessly and was raked over the coals for, you know, uh, expressing herself sexually and having sexual autonomy over her desires. I mean, she did it all, you know what I mean? And so she encompasses everything that I stand for um, regarding feminism and pop yes. culture and fashion. It's the whole thing, you know? It's yeah. funny. I had a very interesting conversation about this with my eight-year-old stepdaughter two weeks ago because mm -hmm. we made a Lady Gaga replica outfit for Oh, which I loved. I love that outfit. We turned uh -huh. Princess Elsa into Lady Gaga. And I showed her Madonna's iconic Jean-Paul Gaultier with the boobs yep. cut out. And it uh -huh. was really funny. She was like, wow, she walked out with her nipples poking through the dress like that? And I was like, yeah, she did. And it was funny because it was somewhat shocking to an eight-year-old. But it, she's an eight-year-old that sees Cardi B's booty shaking on right. Instagram all the time. So it was funny to me that I, we discussed like how sophisticated and demure yeah. Madonna's dress was and how that the boobs were such a shocking feminist statement. And right. I, I have a very hard time with the way women's bodies are portrayed now in the media yeah. because I'm still old school like Madonna. I like that powerful woman. It's under my control. Yes. You know, it, you bring up a good point. And Lex, I think we talked about this a little bit during the photo shoot. It brought up Madonna. We sort of spoke about it a little bit. It is interesting because, and I speak to my husband about it all the time, because he said, you know, back in the day when I heard Like a Virgin, my mom would get upset because she would think that the lyrics were inappropriate. She, he was like, but he goes, I like the sound of it. And it seemed cheeky and fun and kind of like, you know, even the, the wedding gown was very, um, it, it wasn't slutty. No, not no. at all. Not at all. And, and if you look at even Madonna's sex book now, it's, it's, it's a piece of art. It's not yeah. it beautifully done. Yeah, transcends porn in a way, you know what I mean? Um, but at the time it was considered porn because she put her own body parts out there to be judged, you know what I mean? And now everybody does that, you know? Um, but I think the difference is now, and this is no tea or shade, I just think that now there's not a sense of irony or wit to the hypersexual image. Now it's just, it's just kind of, Pornified, and there's nothing wrong with porn. I love porn. Believe me, I love porn. We all love porn. Right, but the visual as an artistic expression, it seems a bit cliched and a little boring to me. Like, I don't know, Madonna said it too. It's like, okay, so now everybody takes their clothes off, and then what? Like, what then? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. want more. Like, take your, like, when Madonna took her clothes off. There was a reason for that. There was an activist uh, message behind that. And I'm, this is just to me all image and not really content. You know yes. what it is? It's you know I mean? Madonna pushed boundaries. I feel like now people do it to feed egos. Right. Very good. And it's good a point. totally different thing. Right. I agree. And don't get me wrong, I love like these contemporary powerful women in music for sure i think i just want a little bit more you know yes I mean? yeah i agree yeah i feel like now it's so oversaturated sexuality is so oversaturated that sometimes the message might be more powerful if people kept the clothes on <laughs> yeah that it's revolutionary to actually keep your clothes on i you know i have a my one of my good friends um out in long island strangely i'm i'm a person who doesn't have any tattoos at all and the I know, that's a little shocking. Yeah, I would think you'd so have tattoos. 
hold on. So you want to know why? A, it's because I'm a graphic designer, so I just can't commit to anything. And B, I had a couple of ideas, but I just keep working on them year after year, and I just can't commit because I'd be afraid that I would immediately regret it after it was like inked onto my body. Um, but my good friend, who is a very well-known tattoo artist in the tattoo world, told me, he said, don't get a tattoo. And I said, why? You're in the business of tatting and inking people up. And he said, the most punk thing you can do in 2021 is have a clean body with no tattoos. He's like, everybody has tattoos. Yeah. So it's kind of like what you're saying, you know, when everybody takes their clothes off, you know, and there's not anything sort of like any kind of wit or any kind of, um, you know, I irony or cheekiness to it, or, or even kind of artful way of doing it, then it's just taking your clothes off and you're just like everybody else, which is great. Take your clothes off. I love that you love your body. I love my body too. Yeah. You know, I, again, I always go to, I think I want a little bit more. You know, yes. yeah. 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 If everyone's doing it, we don't have to do it. Yeah, we don't. That's <laughs> we're ahead of our time. Yeah. We're, we're over that. In the words that you mean, Stuart, you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good time. <laughs> yes. I remember that. I know. Marge, I have to say, I love that throwback photo you posted. Oh, thank you. How funny was that? I was at Limelight when I would sneak out in the middle of the night, Uh um, steal my mother's car with my best friend from high school. I was like 16 and a half. I was a psychic. (laughs) I was insane. I love it. And go out all night. You know what? It's funny. I used to go to the limelight when I was like 16 or 17 too. You can't get into it. Well, first of all, New York doesn't even have nightclubs anymore. Like I know. COVID. It, it, like the last big nightclub really to die was the Roxy. Um, but I, I love the limelight. The limelight. Those were really good times. Fun. Good times. I said you could, you know, the good times, like I said in my book, the only thing you'd worry about was like BD or you know, getting pregnant, both curable, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was great. It was so Nothing great. that a shot of penic- penicillin couldn't handle. You yeah, know? exactly. You're good yeah. to go, yeah. It was Absolutely. the best times. And uh, I had such good times. They'd pick you out of the crowd and we'd be dressed inappropriately. And I just such good times dancing all night with my girlfriend, girlfriend yeah. you know, guys, inappropriately aged guys. It was perfect. <laughs> I loved every second. Did you also go to the Palladium? The Palladium yes, dancing on the speakers at the Palladium, yeah. like a lunatic. Yeah. Oh my God. We're such so Gen funny. Xers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was so, I mean, those were the days. That's what I was They really so were. Good I do. I do, I do remember them very fondly, and and I remember, I remember club kid culture. Actually, I'm friends with a few of them. Um, I've, I when I was younger, I immersed myself in the Patricia Field world and the Susan Harsh yes. world, right? And um, so, you know, Amanda Lepore. I have a funny story. The first time I, I met Amanda Lepore, do you want to hear it? Yes, yes. I love Amanda Lepore. Uh, she's amazing. She was really my first crush. Um, Ever, but she used to work the makeup counter at Patricia Field on 8th Street. Um, Patricia Field had two stores, one on West Broadway, and I think it was called Hotel Venus. And then the one on 8th Street was just Patricia Field. And I don't remember how old I was. I think I was like in ninth grade, maybe. And I would just, you know, skip school, take the Metro North to Manhattan, and I'd go exploring and I'd go shopping. I'd go to like the antique boutique and all those fun Us places. too. I used to go to the antique boutique. I cut class all the time too. That was such a thing to do back then. It was. Uh, well, because we didn't have a phone to like, uh, you know, bury ourselves in. So we went exploring in real life. So I walked into Patricia Field on a fluke. I had no idea really who she was or the store. And Amanda Lepore used to work at the makeup counter back then. And the makeup counter was, you'd open the door and the makeup counter would be like right in front of the door, right? And she was there and she was just sort of, she was like almost practically asleep. There was really no one in the store. And she was sort of striking a pose. And I thought she was a mannequin. I literally <laughs> So I opened the door and then the door obviously made noise. She moved and I like, I literally jumped back. It was That's like so one funny. of those- What did she crack up? Oh my God, the mannequin turned to life. And I spent the next 20 minutes like pretending to sift through racks, but just staring at staring her. Staring at her? Like, oh my God, that's so funny. Who is she? What is she? I need to know everything about her. And then that's when I just like, you know, headlong into David LaChapelle and Amanda Lepore and that whole scene. I just, 
I, I, I consumed it. I was hungry for it, but I was so fascinated by her. I know. I'm still fascinated by yeah. her. Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? It's. I know that whole time was so good. I mean, it's not as interesting. I hate to say. Well, that. photography was so fun then as well. This um, a photographer and painter duo that I love, Pia Agio, which oh, is yeah. around the same time as David LaChapelle, and I was in art college, and everything was so like sexual and fun and fabulous, uh -huh. and icons were like. Kylie Minogue and Madonna and Amanda LaPont and all these fabulous people and there was so much to look up to. Yeah. Like, yes, it, I agree. It have changed creativity. So it was. somewhat different. And I think because, to your point, people are lost in their phones. They're not out looking for experiences. So, right. like, the day Patricia Field closed, obviously, uh, that was, was devastating. Yeah. I know. Well, she does still have a shot. Actually, she has a sort of in 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 house studio now where you can go. I have friends. I'm I have a good friend, Scooter LaForge, who's a painter. He's very well known, and he he used to paint on clothing. And I have a collection of his clothing that um, that used to be sold at Patricia Field. And then my friend uh, Dope Tavio. If you're not following him, you should. He's really great. Okay, um, we got to follow him. Yeah, he's a great fashion designer, um, and you know uh, that's what Patricia Field did. She took talent, New York City underground talent, and she's like, "Here, use my space. You know, you want to paint on clothing, you want to make clothing, you want to do this, you want to do that. Let's package it up and let's sell it to a downtown scene." And she was very good at doing that. But I also think, to you know, going back to your point about creativity, I think back then, you know. Creativity, it's full circle because we spoke about how creativity ebbs and flows, right? Yes. Back then, you know, between, like, people had time between what they put out there. You know, like, Madonna had, like, a, you know, a year or two before she worked on another album and maybe a possibly another look or another reinvention or, you know, or, um, you know, seasons collections like Versace in the 90s, you know what I mean? Or even Marc Jacobs or Isaac Mizrahi, which is very 90s to me. You know, the, yes, the seasons were collections that happened all the time, but there were time in between. So people digest a certain look and then move on to something else. Now it's just like you're inundated day in and day out with visuals and you don't know what to consume. You don't know what to pay attention to. And I think that kills creativity. Not it's just that, making mm -hmm. making it, but also consuming it. You know what it's I mean? True. Yeah. Everything's so fast and fast fashion, fast this. Everything is just, it's you're absolutely right. Diluted. It is diluted. Right. Well, because it, 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 it has to be. Because you can't sustain this kind of, um, you know, you're constantly feeding the visual machine, which is Instagram, right? If you're constantly feeding it, you, you know, you have to you have to constantly feed it with new ideas, right? And and new ideas, they need time. You need time to create that. So every, it has to dilute. It has to it has to be this way because in order to sustain this constant need for new, 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 yeah, uh, creativity is compromised for sure. Absolutely. So, I know it's such especially a for you two who people watch your every move i can't even imagine the pressure that you must feel daily to deliver right something new something you know, I know. They, yeah i get yelled at by my crew all the time yeah. i'm just like don't make me well i think it's funny because you know the march doesn't really like to take pictures i don't really like to take pictures as you're, much you're, you i think you're like me you're an introvert masking as an extrovert like it's people true. think that i'm more extroverted than i am i'm actually a little bit more like i can proceed a little bit you know sit back and watch and then pounds when I want to pounds. That's you know? exactly true. Mm -hmm. I like to be in the moment. It's the world we live in, unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, where everyone feels compelled to document every moment, every living moment that they're, you know, and, and again, I think it is, it is in a way people are sort of turning into al algorithmic robots, you know, got to feed the machine, got to feed the machine, got to take a picture, got to feed the machine. And and I'm I'm in it too. Believe yes. me, I'm in it. Me too. Not, Listen, yeah. it's my business. It's I have no business. Business. It's my job. Exactly. But um, but it's important to be aware at least that this is the reality, you know, because people could get lost 
in that reality and think that, you know, they can get into dark tunnels where you think you're not good enough or you're not talented enough or you're not thin enough or you're not beautiful enough. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's what, what scares me about the, the times that we're living in because it's purely visual at this point. Everything is visual. Yes. I feel really sad about it too. Cause I know like you're a huge Vivian Westwood uh -huh. lifelong fan and devotee. And to me, music and fashion feed each other so much. So without, Malcolm McLaren and the Sex Pistols and, yes. um, you know, like that New York doll scene. There would be mm -hmm. no Westwood. There would be no designers at that time. And now, it's like art and music, uh, music and fashion don't seem to gel the way they no. used to. No, I will say, you know who, don't we always say the Country Music Awards has better fans? Yes. Do you watch the Country <laughs> Music Awards? I do. I do, and I'm a big Casey Musgraves oh, fan. Oh, me too. I say she's my love, style icon. Love, I love Casey love. Musgraves. I love her. I think she's so beautiful. And there's and there's sometimes when you see her dressed up, I get a little you know nostalgic share about yes. her with the hair really long and yes, CMAs to me still have amazing style, the glamour, the individuality. It, it's just so fabulous compare and I yeah knocking the Grammys but the CMAs there's something about right and I think you know what it is I think because country still has to sort of stay a little bit in its roots and it did go a little Hollywood you know it yeah. did go a little glam Hollywood you know um but when I think of when I personally think of country music glam it's it always goes to Dolly Parton Dolly or, yes ah. yes or Tammy Wynette, or you know those those icons. I just, you know what I mean. I just love it. It still is a person personality. I also like the nudie suits. Like um, I think Leslie Jordan. Yes. If you didn't see Leslie Jordan, I didn't this see weekend, him this again. I did my like one of my my first fashion show in college when I was in like art school, and I did like a, a country and western like theme, and I did like a yeah. Viva Las Vegas from Grand Parsons was the song, and I made a nudie suit on denim, okay. and I also made denim glitter chaps and had a girl go down the runway in a song. I horrified Amazing. all the other parents of the 16-year-olds. My dad built the stage <laughs> I got my dancer friends to do it. I mean, I was very avant-garde in college and I caused a lot of problems. But it was just the glamour is rooted in country music and they always it. nod back to that. I agree. I mean, that sounds fabulous. I missed out. It does. That. that was <laughs> so good. That was a yeah. lot but no, you're right. And I think, you know what I love about, I mean, cause you know, I, I, I'm a cowboy at heart. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spaghetti Western as they call it. I'm yes. Yes. Cowboy. The Italian cowboy. Right. Um, but for me, what I love also is that I, I love, despite, despite all of the turmoil and the division, I love everything about being American. And to yes. me, um, you know, Western culture, country music is so American. And I love, I love the, I love the denim jeans. The denim jeans is so Americana. It's all about, you know, um, a hardworking and, you know, frontier and that kind of thing. And so, and so to glam that up, to like recontextualize that and make it Dolly Parton or whatever is just, it's, it tickles my gay heart. I love it. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I love it. So, so John, what are, what are you watching now? Let's tell everybody, what are you watching now? Oh, this is easy. And Lexi, you can jump to RuPaul Agnes is I love. I yes, love I love RuPaul's also. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're well, big. let me say you know how to pick a winner. Olivia Lux. She I picked okay. her. You know that. I, I know. I heard all about that. I'm like, yeah, of course, because March is good taste. So here's what I'm saying. Olivia Lux is definitely in my top three for this season. For sure, she's going all the way. She has all the goods. She can sing, she can act, she can triple dance. Threat, triple she can look glamorous. She can even look a little high fashion too at times. It's yet to be seen with Snatch Game because everything can change after Snatch. Yeah, so Snatch Game, I swear. Yeah. Snatch Game yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I, um, I definitely think Olivia Lux is in the top three. And then I think Gottmik is probably there as well. Um, that I, I'm, I'm kind of in love with Gottmik too. And then, and then the rest, it's really anyone's game, honestly. It's it really true. is. Yeah. I know, I have to catch up, I'm a little behind. You see, I took a break because 
um, RuPaul's Drag Race UK is on right now. And you know, I love UK, A, because a lot of the icons are things I I can reference from my growing up, my past, but also it reminds me of early Drag Race US because it isn't quite as produced as it is now. I mean, they do get the memos, but UK was really interesting this season because they got shut down in the middle for COVID. Yeah. They got to take a break for months at a time. Now the glow up between going on there with all these girls, knowing like, you're like, okay, shit, I might be like sucking here. I might be horrendous. Mm -hmm. I might not be that good. They got time to go home, reassess themselves, Uh, sit home and practice makeup for like months at a time. So when they came back, it was like, you better bring it. This is the final piece to the puzzle of that meme that went viral where RuPaul was like, uh, no more fucking H&M. Yes! Probably thinking like, girl, you went home for a couple of months. If that dress is from H&M, you better bedazzle the shit out of it. Yes, yes. see it at all. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I had no idea that that's what was happening. Yes. So I think I told you previously, Bimini Bamboulash is my favorite. (laughs) All right. Well, I have to, I have to watch you. That's what I have to watch. That name, that name is hilarious, by the way. Bimini Bamboulash. Well, I started yesterday, uh, based on what Andy recommended, Lady and the Dale are parts. It's just, it's amazing. It's actually a great story. True story. I'll definitely watch it. You know, I got caught up a little bit in Yellowstone. I don't know if you guys watched it with Kevin. I heard that's also very good. I haven't watched it. Oh my God, it's like so thrilling. It's like, (laughs) it's like, it's like if, you know, Dallas back in the 1980s actually had a good cinematographer and a really good story, like an important story. It's like that, but for modern times, it's really- Okay, that's good, because I loved Dallas. I used to watch that and Knott's Landing. Right, oh yeah, I never watched Knott's Landing, but I watched Dallas and I watched the other one. What was it with Alexis Dynasty. She's called it Dynasty. She calls it Dynasty, and I call it Dynasty. That's what we would call it Dynasty, because I was the only Alexis, my real name is Alexis. I was the only eight-year-old Alexis in school and everyone would be like, oh, are you named after Alexis Carrington? And I was like, no, was it Alexis Colby? No. No, Alexis Colby Carrington. Alexis Colby Carrington, yeah. So that's what everyone thought I was named after. I was like, It's a very sophisticated name for a young girl. I mean, It is, that's what, and that's what, look at her now. I was a very sophisticated young girl for that name. You you lived up to the name, Lexi. You lived up to the name. So John, we ask everybody who comes on the podcast some very important questions. (laughs) I always say my success is based on 50% delusion, 50% determination. What percentages are you? I think I think it's a I think it's more 60 40. I think it's more it's more uh self-delusion and uh and chance. Like sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? And and you know, there's no delusions about that. You're just there. Yes. And 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 a door opens up, you know what I mean? And and um and yes, I mean Hard work is also very yes, yes. You have to put the work in, otherwise, you know, the the smoke and mirrors. I mean, it just all collapses very quickly. You know? I agree. You know, another another good quote from Madonna. She always said this. She said this actually in an interview with Anderson Cooper. She said, "Fame gets you in the door, but it doesn't keep you in the room." And Ooh. I live by that. It's true. That's true. You can you could get attention all you want. But if, you know, if there's no content, you will never sustain being in the room and, and having people being interested in you, you know? That's absolutely it's true. so true. It's yeah. true many housewives. It's, yeah. yeah, true many housewives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shit. No. Um, so we always say we're very entrepreneur real. We, you know, live by real advice. We don't do that much by the book. What would be your most entrepreneur real advice to someone wanting to go into your field? Mm. Okay. Um, if they wanted to go into my field, uh, be prepared that the field is super competitive, like really super competitive. Um, and the job opportunities are actually dwindling um, because the digital world has really changed 
you know, what people can and cannot do and what people expect you to do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then the other aspect is, um, you know, be adaptable. You have to be adaptable. Um, it's important to have a clear point of view for sure, but don't let that clear point of view box you in. If you have a like a clear aesthetic that you really love with your graphic design and stuff like that, by all means, feed it and cultivate it, but be adaptable. Be, uh, don't be a one note. Make sure that you can do other things, you know what I mean? And, and, and create other aesthetics that can be, you know, uh, formidable, you know, formable um, for, you know, other jobs, because you don't want to limit your opportunities. You want to be a broad designer. You want to, you want to be able to tap into, you know, the broad. That's, that's so, very that good advice. Because people always have their tunnel vision and then they, they can't see beyond that. So right. We have one other question. Sure. What was your big girl, big boy panties moment where you had to say like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And then you realize it was like a pivotal time. Like you had to pull up your big girl, big boy panties. Hmm. Probably when I had to accept that I was gay and that I had to come out to my parents. Mm. Um, that was a big, big boy moment where I'm just like, you know what? Um, this is who I am. I can't change it nor and i've passed through the phases of wanting to change it and realizing that it's okay to be who you are um and and coming out and and you know not coming out in a ceremonial way i did with my mother but not with my father but you know it's like just being who i am and not having to explain myself um was really a, a big a big moment for me and it changed my life completely yes. Um, it does because RuPaul always says, you know, everyone has their self saboteur, you know, the voices in your head that keep telling you or keep feeding like fear and anxiety. And, and it is true for anybody who's struggling with uh, their gender or their sexuality. I think you automatically think that it's going to be worse than it really is when you actually do come to terms publicly with who you are. I think more people are accepting and, and more people are joyful and celebrated than not. And we kind of make up, you know, this awful scenario in our heads of like being disowned or, you know, being cast out or something. And, and more than not, it doesn't happen. It goes your way. So yeah, that's it. That's good. Wow. That's how old were you? Do you mind me? Oh, I came out late actually. Um, let's see, I was maybe 23, 23, yeah, 23. Um, I had dated women um, prior, uh, one in particular who was like a high school sweetheart. Um, but then I met my husband, it sounds like a big cliche, but we met in a, uh, in, at the elevator bank at Simon & Schuster. Wow! <laughs> yeah, he was in publishing, he was a publicist and I would see him in the hallway um, cause back in the day we had like copy machines in the hallway and I thought, <laughs> who's this cute little, mm. and, uh, and then we just, you know, he, he obviously initiated the conversation. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Cause I'm shy. <laughs> You're shy. I love that. Yeah. That's so, you know what, that's so important. That's such a good message. It is. Yeah. And I always say to people also, when someone comes out to you, even if you're like, I knew you were gay. What are you coming out to me for? That's yeah. their moment to hear themselves say it out loud. Because a friend came out to me when he was 40. And I was like, dude, I mean, I, since I knew you for like 12 years, I knew like the writing was on the wall. But I realized in that moment when he said it, it was nothing about me receiving the information. It was him delivering the information that made him feel accepted. So it's, it's as important to hear the information as it is to receive it, you know? Yeah. It is. I mean, because you you really do you do analyze. I mean, for me personally, like you know, um, dealing with my queerness and my gayness. You know, we're constantly even in this sort of accepted cultural yes. culture. You're constantly always assessing your environment. Like, okay, can I hold my husband's hand in public here, wherever that may be? I could be in Kentucky. I can be in Arkansas. I I'm going to change my behavior. Versus if I'm in New York or LA or Chicago, you know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that we live in a world like that. Yes, but that's so upsetting. 
Right, but I'm constantly checking my behavior. So it is your, like Lexi, you said, you know, we, we're constantly viewing people's reactions. And so, yeah, it is important to see someone react to you finally saying it out loud. You know, they're telling you, hey, I'm gay, I'm a lesbian, I'm trans, I'm, you know, bisexual, I'm queer, I'm non-binary, whatever the case is, it's really good. You know, it's just affirmation, that's all it is. I know it's just you know I have like even young fan, fans who tell me and they're so sweet and nice and adorable and it, you know and and I think a lot of people are coming out younger and younger and they're and they're comfortable and they have such amazing parents and I and I love that yeah, yeah. you know is yeah because the generation it's it's now it's my generation but it's also millennials are having children and millennials have grown up in a world where um where our culture is questioning gender you know like i'm a generation xer um my my first foray into trans was really um amanda lapore yes you know I mean? and that came with its set of tropes and sort of like glamour and stereotypes I mean, it wasn't until actually getting back to Simon and Schuster, I worked on Janet Mock's book. Oh, oh I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I don't know if you've read her book. No, but, sure, I have to read it. Should I read yeah. it? You, you should. Um, it's uh, uh, what was the name of it? Something realness. God, I should I, listen. Did she? I she did her own. Did she do her own audio? I'm not sure that I don't know, but um, it was it was an Atria book, and it was at a time when I was um, working for both Atria and Gallery, um, and so I had a chance to work on it. And we did the photo shoot. Actually, this was when she was with her ex-husband. I um, mean, she was living in the East Village. We did the photo shoot on her roof deck in like her East Village apartment, um, and she was just. I spent the day with her, and she was just a well of knowledge and a well of of um, experiences and that opened up my eyes about trans people because I am I am LGBTQI plus, but I don't know the ins and outs of, of these experiences. And it was great to hear it firsthand and to work with Yes, I'm, mes I'm mesmerized by her. And she's with, she's, I forget, what's his name? Little Poppy is her, uh, is her uh, boyfriend. From yeah, from- um, Pose, Angel, from Pose, Angel. Angel. Be curious. Is that yes, his name? that's his name. Yeah. When is that going to come back? We, I, dying, I, dying. Well, I stopped filming around the same time Housewives stopped filming the first time they were closed down. So yeah. hopefully soon. I just loved it so much, but she's like so stunning. Yeah. Well, and you know, she, she in the last <laughs> season of it, the last, I guess we're calling it seasons because it was supposed to be a one-time series or whatever. Yeah. Then it went into a second season. And she, so I always look at the credits because she's the writer or director yes. for some of them. Um, so it was really, it was really great to see that. I mean, her, her career really took off. The book really took off and she is an important voice in the trans community, I think. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. And I love that she's with uh, Angel, it's yeah. so great from the yeah, show and they're, they're like an adorable couple. couple and they I love following them on Instagram and they're so yeah. well John I am so happy you came on today you're a wealth of information Whoa. you're a light in the world I mean you're so great yes. and you have such great advice for everybody thank you so yeah. much for having me I mean I was I was such an honor I kept I tell, told Lexi I'm like little old me you guys want yes, to have you are me? a visionary yes. yeah you really thank are. You. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Please, Thanks man. so much. Bye. Bye. Well, that was great. That was so much fun. It's like a conversation with one of the greatest friends. It's so easy. He's gone, but he has such great advice. He does. And I think it is funny. I, I think like the listeners should know you don't like to do photo shoots. No, people don't realize. People think I'm a professional poser. I'm not. Listen, I like to get dressed up. I like to wear makeup. I like to be creative. I like well, you to like to go out and have a good time. Yes, I you like don't to go out like have a good time. I'm not about posing and, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. And part of my job is, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. I like to show things that I do, but I'm not um, a poser. No, and previously, you know, like photo shoots, I know you felt uncomfortable over the years. Photo shoots have done for the brands that, you know, like we've done them, but you're like, can't wait to get through the day. 
I know this experience with Simon and Schuster with John Amazon that I enjoyed Black was totally different. It was you. totally different. The I enjoyed that. The energy that they brought and the energy that you brought, it was the perfect synergy. Because it had whimsicality. And um, I enjoy to be funny with the glamour because I don't take it seriously. And that's what the cover was. Yes. And I hope you guys like it because it is funny and glamour. Yes. And we're going to share some behind the scenes over the next few weeks. We're going to share some photographs, March seniors, even on the back cover of the book. And yes. That was and really that was fun. great. And Bella, my dog makes the cover. So it's great. Yeah. It's really fun. And again, don't forget everyone, pre-order your copy of Caviar Dreams Tuna, Tuna Fish, Fish Budget. Budget. Yes. We have the link. The link is in Margaret's bio on her Instagram. It's very easy to find. You could just Google it. And the book really is great. And if you saw the throwback picture that Marge posted, there's plenty more where that yes, came from. Yes, plenty in the book. more. And, and stories of those days, which are crazy. They will make your head curl. Hair curl. And toes curl. <laughs> just saying. All right, caviar dreamers, keep dreaming. Thank you so much. Tune in again every Wednesday. New episodes, Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget on Instagram, on YouTube, at The Real Margaret Josephs, at The Life of Mrs. B. Yes, and you can also follow Macbeth Collection. That's right. My company. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.